0: A blessed new year and thank you for braving the rain, those of us here at ARPC at Adam and ARPC at Bishan. As I listened to the rainfall last night, uh, my heart sank. I said we're going to start the year with zero people because it just kept falling non-stop. But it's God's way of reminding us that all things are in His hands. I want to thank you for your faithfulness and for all those who have joined us, perhaps as, as friends for the very first time virtually, welcome to our services so just to provide a link joining up from our christmas service to our new year's eve service and the christmas service you heard in the announcement we focus on luke about the birth of jesus and how the birth of jesus the humble birth of jesus resulting the humble life and the humble death of jesus must not lead us to the wrong responses the wrong response to the humble birth of jesus and the humble life of jesus is to miss him altogether. Is this person important? What importance is he to me? The wrong response is to dismiss him. The right response is to treasure him. At the New Year's Eve service, we spoke about time, the importance of timeliness, and the danger of untimeliness. And did you realize, as we read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and then Luke 4, that it is untimeliness See, the untimely word to the, the wrong word to the wrong person at the wrong time or the wrong action will produce the wrong outcome. That's why your relationship has spiraled downhill. You say something wrong at the Christmas gathering of your family. You say something wrong at the Chinese New Year gathering. You say something wrong on the chat. Wrong word, wrong person, wrong time, wrong outcome. And your life and my life is full with untimeliness. And then we look at the life of the Lord Jesus. That nothing happened in his life apart from according to God's hour, according to God's time. Today we want to explore with you this whole thing about vision. Why? Because it's the starting of a new year. The starting of a new year, we have this simulcast between ARPC at Adam and ARPC at Bishan so that we hear the glorious gospel And all friends who are joining us, hear this glorious gospel and we are one in Jesus and one in the things of Jesus for the glory of God. So what are your views of the end? And you say, uh, end of what? Surely for all of us seated here and everywhere tuning in, what are your views of the end of this pandemic? According to Bill Gates, his take on Omicron is this we could be entering the worst part of the pandemic. And how long it could go on for 2023, 24 who knows? According to J.P. Morgan, one of the best banks of the world, 2022 will mark the end of the pandemic and a full economic recovery. So whose view do you take? one of the richest and most influential men of the 21st century, Bill Gates, who thinks that we are in the worst season of the pandemic, or you listen to one of the best banks in the world, J.P. Morgan, and say, this is it. 2022 is it, is the end of the pandemic. And so it's okay to have different views. It's okay to have subjective views. But when it concerns something that affects all of us, we do not give our views and opinions cheaply. We do not give our views and opinions lightly because it affects our years, our days, and our months. And so what's your vision of the end of the pandemic? Do you know every year, now in our modern day world, since World War II, right, one of the saddest, most painful experiences of millions of people in the world is, can you fill that in for me? One of the saddest experiences of people around the world, for millions of people, is dot, 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 is being being migrants, political migrants, refugees. And so for them, there is no end in sight for millions of trafficked people and refugees, political and economic refugees. This is an award-winning photograph and what do you see? You see a boat under the moonlight with 17 Tunisians on the run, praying and hoping for a better future. No future for them if they stayed, no future for them if they run. Do you know they're not out there for a holiday? You're stuck out there in sea, not knowing whether a storm will blow up and blow you over and that's the end of your life there is no end in sight for millions of them. And every year, thousands of them get abandoned and they die. What's the importance about this? The importance about this is that when we live with no end in sight, you start to live increasingly with, you're on a path, you know. You start with helplessness. And then the helplessness grows like a cancer to hopelessness. It starts with uncertainty. And uncertainty grows into anxiety. And anxiety grows with a finality. It is so, I can't see an end to this relationship. I can't see an end to this sickness. I can't see an end to our poverty. So I might as well end it now. And a huge number of young people are now suffering what we call climate anxiety. As if there are not enough problems in the world. And so a whole millennial generation is listening to Greta Thunberg warn us that it's coming to an end, it's coming to an end. How do you know it's coming to an end? Does this young girl hold an answer? Sure, we have to be more more conservative about things, more responsible. But to grow up with so many responsibilities, and then to add to it climate anxiety, I might as well not wake up as a young person, because there is no hope. So what's your vision of the year? What's your vision of your days, of your moments? It is the vision of Jesus that must matter. It's Jesus' vision of the end that must matter. Why Jesus' vision of the end? Because the end determines the present. The future determines the now. If the future is really cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency, why hold cash, the old currency? If the future is meta, I mean metaverse, and is augmented reality, then don't get too used to simply reality. Reality is old-fashioned. You need to augment it with virtuality. If the future is the yuan, then why keep trading in the US dollar? And so you should read an article by Kishori Mahubani that Singapore is schizophrenic at this moment. And in the years and the decades ahead, we have to choose. We cannot sit on the sides. We have to choose between the descendancy of the West, symbolised perhaps by America, and the ascendancy of the East, symbolised by China. And they are not easy things for us to navigate because being a small city-state, Unless we have a vision of the future, we might decide wrongly. Have I pounded home to you the truth, the importance, the necessity of vision? Your vision of 2022, your vision of any year, any moment of life, depends on Jesus' vision of the end. And Jesus' vision of the end is captured in the last chapter of the Bible Revelation 22. And Jesus' vision of the end is totally different. It's objective because it is Jesus' vision. It is reliable. It's totally trustworthy. You don't have to choose between Bill Gates and J.P. Morgan. You don't have to choose between one view versus the other. You just have to listen humbly to Jesus speak about the end. And so one way to understand all Bible books is to see how it begins and how it ends. This is how Revelation begins. You may want to read together with me. You can read. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. It's very instructive that this letter begins with the word, bless, bless. The Christians who were living around the end of the first century were undergoing increasing persecution under the Roman Empire. The last thing they'll be feeling in their life will be a feeling of blessedness, being favoured by God, that God was on their side. This is how it begins. Blessed are those who hear this prophecy Blessed are those who keep this prophecy, and there's a very huge one. is not merely in the hearing, but the keeping, which means the faith and the obedience to all that God is speaking through his son, through the angel, and to John on the island of Patmos. How does Revelation end? And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, which means God spoke to the prophets, through the prophets, has sent his angel. Another means of revelation is not just to prophets. Sometimes God speaks directly to the angel. We saw that in the birth of Jesus, the announcement of his birth, to show his servants what must soon take place. And I fast forward to 7b. Blessed is the one who keeps the word. The prophecy of this book is not the mere superficial, light-hearted hearing of God's Word, but the hearing of it to keep it, to stick your life on this. And we call this in Revelation, the sevenfold assurance of Jesus and His Church, that though you're increasingly suffering and persecuted, you can bet your life on this Word. And when you bet on your life on this word from me, you bet your life on me. And so a possible outline of Revelation 22 runs along these lines. Jesus gives us a vision of our going. Where are you going in life? Ultimately to heaven, the new heavens and the new earth that he spoke about in Revelation 21, that he now speaks about some more in Revelation 22. That's our destiny. Jesus also gives us a vision of his coming. And this is to give us certainty against all the uncertainties that we face in life. From living under Roman Empire in the first century to living between two empires in the 21st century. And that will affect the vision of our living. This is our daily duty. This is our ministry. This is how we should respond to Jesus and his vision of the end. The context is vitally important. Let me run you through three passages in Revelation 1 to understand what they were going through. It was a crisis of faith. If you say Jesus is our Saviour and our Lord, the early Christians were asking all over the Roman Empire, if you say that Jesus is Saviour and Lord, if he's the Messiah, why has Jesus left us? He's absent from us physically. Why has he left us living in a crumbling empire? And when an empire crumbles and you have an egotistical emperor, they will keep looking at scapegoats. Who can we blame for the economy? Who can we blame that the budget has has not been achieved? We blame the troublemakers and the troublemakers are the Christians. They love their God so much, they are anti-Rome, they are anti-Emperor, they are anti law they are anti-taxation, all false accusations. Why has Jesus left us behind? To suffer, to suffer opposition, to suffer persecution. And it still happens, persecution is still the majority experience of Christians around the world and over 2,000 years of church history. The word revelation just means unveiling. Right? So if we had the curtain here, and behind here there's a backstage, Revelation is the unveiling of who Jesus is, the unveiling of what Jesus has done, and what Jesus will do. So who is Jesus? According to Revelation 1.5, he's the faithful witness. You think he's no longer absent with you physically. Conclusion, not here, not reliable, not true. Not here, not reliable, not true. My parents were not here for me in a moment of need. My friends were here. The social influencer was here. My parent is not real in his love or her love. Follow that logic. He is not here with us. He says he is God, but he's a faithful witness, faithful until the end. He dies and then he rises from the dead. He's the firstborn, the first man who came back from the dead every single human being has lived and died and are rotting in the grave. Every single one. Jesus is the firstborn. Uh, He starts a whole new humanity that will never die because sin and death has been paid for by him. And now a most daring thing for John on the island of Patmos to hear and then to write down. Jesus is the ruler of the kings of this earth. Imagine if the secret service of the Roman Empire got hold of chapter 1, verse 5. You mean there's going to be a ruler higher, bigger, more powerful, and more long-lasting than Caesar? Then we must get rid of him and all who follow him. So this is the introduction to Jesus. And so this is who he is and what has he done? This Jesus loves us. You know one of favourite tunes we teach children is, from young now that I'm grandpa, I sing this very often to our seven-month, eight-month granddaughter. Jesus loves me, this I know, Jesus loves me, this I know. Is it just a song for a baby to know, a toddler to know, that, you know, she should know Jesus loves her, but as I go to school, as I go to Polly, as I go to work, as I live with anxiety of this pandemic, I don't really believe that Jesus loves me. Whatever circumstance you're going through, you must keep to this truth that Jesus loves you. Wake up with that first thought, Jesus loves me, this I know. I do not know what I'm going to face today, but Jesus loves me, this I know. Second thing he has freed us from our sin. If Jesus had to die to free us, that means previously what would you and I? You and I are known to us, unconfessed to us. You were a slave to sin. You thought you could do sin and stop sin anytime you want. I can start thinking sinful thoughts about somebody. I can start speaking sinful words about somebody, doing sinful things, and I can stop whenever I want to. Rubbish. You are a slave to those godless thoughts, those godless words that you continue to speak to your loved ones within your marriage, within your family, sometimes within your church fellowship. Jesus has freed us. And Jesus now makes us a kingdom of priests Far from being the enemies of God, the outcasts, he now makes us a kingdom of priests. And so this is who Jesus is, the unveiling of Jesus. Vitally important that we keep all these things. As we begin in 2022 now, I want to ask you, I've showed you three passages from Revelation. Which one of these passages might you hold on to for dear life this year? Give you some time to think about it. There at Bishan, here at Adam, there on the airwaves, virtuality. Think about it. Which of these passages about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us will you hold on to? With that as the foundation of this vision of this prophecy of the end, we now go to chapter 22. And in chapter 22, then the angel showed me The river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. Which leads us to ask a very important question, right? So let's explain a few things. This is the picture of the new heavens, of the new earth. The perfection, the consummation of the kingdom of God because Jesus has come as King. And if you know anything about it, you read the language here, uh, tree of life, river, sounds so much like, sounds so much like the Garden of Eden. This is how God began. And this is how God ends after 66 books over thousands of years, is the same story. God, the architecture of the kingdom of God, is the finisher of this. And so what does each of those things mean? Water of life, tree of life, speaks about renewal, speaks about eternal life. And this renewal of life flows from two thrones. The throne of God, And the throne of the Lamb of God. I want you just to take note. There is no life, there is no renewal, there is no regeneration, there is no eternity, there is no heaven apart from the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb. What was not there in Genesis 2 in the Garden of Eden? What was not there in creation was the throne of the Lamb. The new thing in the presence of God is the throne of the Lamb, the God-man, fully divine, fully man. He's seated there. He rises from the grave and He leads a whole humanity washed clean by His blood, now totally proclaimed holy and acceptable to God. To the throne of the Lamb, from the throne of the Lamb and the throne of God flows life. And so, Need to ask our souls, ask ourselves what? Need to ask our souls, this tree of life, right? It's, it's really important that we understand this, that it promises healing. Healing of what? Healing for of the nations. Healing of the nations? What is this healing of the nations? Which means when we live our life without God, you're always at war with each other. You can be so hateful of each other, so fearful of each other personally. You can be so hateful of each other and so fearful of each other collectively. Is that true? It's one people in Myanmar or many tribes in Myanmar. Did you see this? That the Catholic nun in Myanmar, as the soldiers are fighting to put down this insurgency and still are in the countries on the brink of civil war, She kneels before the soldiers and says to them, spare the children, spare the children, the children are behind her, spare the people. Take my life instead. How long will you go on hating your own people? How long will you go on hurting and harming each other? That's you and me. Things are not right in this world. You and I need healing, healing from God healing from the throne of God and the Lamb of God, healing from the river of life and healing from the tree of life. And the leaves provide endless healing, month after month, ever-flowing rivers, ever-green trees for flowing blessings from God. This is the only time we're going to live in peace, the healing of the nations. And what do we see here? Things are not what they are. This is not a post picture. This is a mountain gorilla called Dakasi. And here is Dakasi's friend and caregiver protecting her from being poached on because you get a gorilla, it's going to be worth a $100,000 or $200,000 for the poachers. And look at that face. Look at the bonding when When men and animals, like in the beginning, when God brought all those animals to Noah, all those animals firstly to Adam to name, and then all the animals to Noah and the ark to escape, the new heavens and the new earth, there will be peace between God and us. There will be peace between neighbour and neighbour, and there will be peace between us and the world that God has caused us to live. Do you not think you need healing? Do you not think you desperately need healing? Why are you so hateful of others? Why are you so fearful of others? And this goes on forever. Will your marriage last this year? Will your family make up or break up? Will we spin into a war over Taiwan? Same race of people, you know, separated only by 70 years of politics. And we are willing to bomb the daylights out of each other because we think that one political stance holds the answer. One view holds the answer to things. No, friends, things are not right when we have a broken relationship with God. And then it goes on. No longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God, see the repetition? What is so great about heaven? God is there. Jesus is there. You are in his very presence, unhindered. If now he's absent from you physically, when he returns and takes you to him, there'll be unhindered fellowship. No longer will there be anything a curse because from Genesis 3, the whole creation was cursed. But the throne, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and the servants will worship Him. The NIV says the servants will serve Him. You know this term, for those of us in ARPC, we just did the Book of Exodus, and when God says to Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, that they might go and serve me on this mountain, the root word in the Hebrew becomes the root word in the in the Greek. It's Serve God and worship God are the same thing. You worship God by serving Him. You serve God by worshipping Him. And here we are, the end of the second and full exodus. They will see His face. No longer can we accuse Jesus, why have you left us? Why are you absent to suffer? And His name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no lamb, no light of lamb or sun. For the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. I just want to linger on the first part of that verse. Nothing and no one will suffer the curse. You heard of the nuclear fallout at Chernobyl? The young folks have never heard of Chernobyl. Go and Google that and you watch a Nat Joe documentary on that and find out, my goodness, there was a nuclear fallout. It's still a ghost city, it's abandoned. We know of Fukushima. Until today, if you walk around, when there's a nuclear fallout, you walk around with a radiation detector, it will pick it up. T, 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 T. -t. If you ever get permission to go, you have to be totally suited up. You know what? Because of the work of the Lamb of God, you can hold a sin detector to anyone as long as you shelter under Jesus. As long as you shelter under Jesus, there will be no sin detector. No sin detector will pick up anything. You just shelter under Jesus. It's as if you had a wallet, right, guys? And you know we have this RFID thing, is it? RFID thing, right? And if you, let's say you are a counterfeit maker, you put counterfeit notes, you you, you can't pick it up. Me with all my sinfulness, you with all your sinfulness, there'll be no pick up as you trust in Jesus as your Saviour, Lord and God. You enter into God's presence, though you are counterfeit, pronounced totally authentic as a child of God. That is his vision of what it will look like. And so important that we summarise. Summarise what? The vision of our going, the vision of Eden glorified, The vision of the new Jerusalem. Did you notice in chapter 24, he says, there'll be no more sea. Then he says there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more crying. No more pain. No more curse. No more night. Which means nothing of Satan and sin in our fallen world will ever pass through. This is safe distancing par excellence. Nobody will ever get in. Nothing of Satan and sin will ever enter into God's holy presence. But what will be there? What will be there in the New Jerusalem? There will be the river and the water of life offering us regeneration, renewal. There will be tree of life. There will be endless blessing. There will be healing of the nations flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. Everything of God is at the heart of heaven, nothing of Satan and sin. Every day you live, you live with the fingerprints of Satan and sin upon your life. You ever gone to a place when the VTL opens up full time? Have you ever found an island paradise, a country in which you arrived and say, this place, no hospital, no. You know why? Because nobody falls sick. This place, no crematorium. This place, no funeral palace. This place, no cemeteries. Have you ever been to a place like that? You would want to put in your migration forms. So somebody said, when you get to heaven, there will be no more handkerchiefs. There will be no more hospitals because there's no more sin and sinners and there's no more death. You must desperately want this place. You must desperately long for this place. Why are you sitting here with a mask? Why are we given all sorts of guidelines when we lead up front? Because you're so fearful of getting infected. Why are you so fearful of getting infected? Because you're so fearful of death. To be promised by God that there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more death is a promise you want to hold on to for life every day of your life. And here's the vision of our going. This destiny. You don't ever have to say goodbye with tears forever to a loved one. That's the first few verses. From this point onwards, you meet the second part. It's the vision not of our going to heaven, but of Jesus' coming. I'm coming soon, is repeated three times in Revelation 22. So how seriously can you take Jesus' words that He's really coming soon? When John wrote this for the people of the first century, it was true. Jesus is coming soon. Two thousand years later, it's soon. But we get it wrong. The soon here means you're now dealing with, he says you don't, you you, you got to keep this scroll open and keep reading it, that Jesus has defeated the devil, he has washed us clean of sin, he's wiped away death, Is a done thing. The war has been won. You can cash this in. This is a voucher, a gospel voucher, you can cash this in, that though we suffer and die in this life, you're going to rise to eternal life. This is a pakai voucher, don't forget to cash this in. And so, everything about God's message and God's messengers, whether it came from the angel, whether it came from John and then John to us, you can stick your life on this. So, how long have you waited for some reunions during the pandemic? Some of you perhaps If your children or your parents or your loved ones were working overseas or studying overseas and couldn't get back in time, you didn't see them for one to two years. I can't imagine not seeing my wife, my children for that length of time. I go away for a conference, for a mission trip, one week, two weeks, and about to fray, about to fall apart in my heart in my life. I probably need mental health care at that moment. How long? And so, did you see this other one? Right? If you could zoom in, you could look carefully at the face of that old lady, Yoshia Unmoto, 98 years old, prevented from seeing her loved ones until they're you know, Japanese in, in America, in Seattle. Then finally, the old folks' home that she was staying opened up and gave permission. A year later, and her son Mark and her niece finally came to see her. See the expression on her face? This is a award-winning photograph. See that? She's just totally amazed. You said you would come, you said you would come. Up to this point, up to this point, all she had was the pictures on the wall. It seems like they were just a memory. Her loved ones were just a memory. It's just pictures on the wall, words on a page. Jesus' promise are not just pictures on the wall. They are not just words on a page. I am coming soon. You can bet your life on him. Totally different. I've told this story many times because it impacted me so much. I was a young Christian, I think first year as a Christian, I joined a Christian fellowship in Sydney, Australia where I was studying and got converted by the grace of God. And we decided to go caroling. Caroling where? In either orphanages or old folks' home. I remember going to this old folks' home and then we were supposed to, after we sang the carols, to spend some time, give some gifts to the old folks there and I sat beside this Australian lady and she held my hand and held my hand and didn't want to let it go. I know I'm attractive, but not so attractive. And why didn't she want to let my hand go? Because her children and her grandchildren, who promised to come, never came. Christmas after Christmas after Christmas. And a total stranger of a foreign student studying there, though I'm black hair and yellow skin and different to her, I'm like a next of kin, as I sing the Christmas carols, as she holds my hand, I hold her hand in return. Can you stake your life on Jesus when he says, I will be coming soon? And finally, is the vision not simply of our going? It's not simply the vision of his coming, His sure and His glorious coming taking us to the glorified Eden but our vision of our living. Our duty from day to day, our ministry from day to day, we are to go to the nations and tell the nations this healing message of the Gospel, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, transferring them from the illegitimate ownership of Satan and self to the legitimate rule of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit when we believe the Gospel. And then it goes on here. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, second time, Jesus says, I will be coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each for what he has done. Repetition, as it started, remember in chapter 1? I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. And so, what's he saying here? That in between the first and the second coming of Jesus, this is what you can expect. Between the first and the second coming of Jesus, you can expect evil to exist side by side with good. And God is not going to separate. It's like Jesus teaching the wheat and the weeds, the sheep and the goats. He will allow the true, the half-true and the outright lie to reside in the same church, in the same fellowship. He will allow us as the church of Jesus Christ who knows the truth to reside with those who belong to Satan and love the lies. And so what does that mean? That means you and I are going to wake up every day beginning with tomorrow, Monday. When you go back to school and when you go uh, go back to work and when you go to school on January the 5th, there will be confusion. You're going to walk into our world, walk into your school and walk into your workplaces where there will be alternative lifestyles. Where people choose their own sexualities. There will be competing worldviews. And Jesus spoke about this in his seven letters to the seven churches when he warned them about Jezebel, when he warned them of the false prophet of Balaam. But please don't think you can carry on with sexual immorality. Please don't think you can carry on with fake religion and the worldviews. There will be. God will allow evil and the righteous to exist until, until, until if you sit in the class and they are teasing you no end because you believe in Jesus. You send your son and daughter to some liberal colleges in America, they tell you straight out, they tell you straight out, we are here as a liberal college to detox what your evangelical Christian parents taught you for 17 years of your life. That's what some of our fellows have come back from America studying liberal colleges tell us. My lecturers, my tutors tell us, we've got three years to detox you from all this Bible and Christian stuff. And we are pretty good at it. That's what liberal education does to you. And so there will be, get used to, there will be cancel culture. The cancelling of God, the cancelling of his word, the cancelling of this prophecy. The cancelling that Jesus is the first and the last. And this will last to the end. There will be confusion. Jesus says embrace persecution, reject seduction, moral seduction, doctrinal seduction. We say, as you walk into this world, embrace seduction. Embrace the social influences of this world and reject the suffering and the persecution that comes from believing and holding fast to Jesus. There will be cancel culture. And when are you going to wake up to this? God never promised you that it's going to be a walk in the park. He tells you truthfully, you believe in me, you've got to embrace persecution. And vision of our living, Jesus will repay each. This is not salvation by works. There is no place in the Gospel for pre-salvation good works. I did enough good works to bypass Jesus and hit the cross to enter heaven. This is post-salvation good works. I believe in Jesus and my life and my behaviour must show so. For those who are righteous, for those who are holy, carry on being righteous and holy. Though you pay the cost, Though they call you different things. I've used this before, right? This Bible, right? I carry a big Bible so that you believe in me. Nobody walks around with a huge Bible nowadays. I don't even see that among preachers. I, I'm just more familiar with this. Does it make me better? Does it make me worse? This is my Bible. And this Bible was given to me by my boss in my first job in the media here. And he wrote in this Bible, he wrote a note for me. Dear Chris, this book will keep you from sin. And sin will keep you from this book. May God bless you richly in your ministry. You know my boss who gave this to me? I didn't know him from before I joined. He has been there in the media, in the papers for a long time. He had a reputation of being a party man. You know what that means. Very light, very loose, a bit liberal. And then he heard the gospel and his life totally changed, totally changed. Became faithful and when I joined and then he found out I was a believer, he bonded. And so this was his gift to me, one birthday or one Christmas. This book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from... You know what he was, his nickname was in the whole office? Two, three hundred of us, journalists in the papers, right? The whole production department. Moses. Oh, Moses has come. <laughs> holy, holy. Father Abraham. <laughs> he void it lightly. It's okay, it's okay, it's all right, it's okay. All right, what would you rather be known as, Moses or Satan? It's okay if people call you Moses, if people call you Jesus. Jesus' followers, it's better to keep doing the righteous thing. It's better to keep being holy in a sea of unholiness. But boy, is it hard. The peer pressure kills you. And vision of our duty. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. And so there are two destinies you trust in the blood of the Lamb to wash you clean, you enter the gates to the new Jerusalem. But if you don't believe in Jesus, and you're still trying to find your own happiness, your own paradise, your own fulfilment, your own perfection of life, outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters. And see the punchline in that verse, verse 15, look hard at that. You either choose to love God, if you don't love God, you will love Satan, the father of lies. You will live a life of lies, of half-truths. And so friends, the first century version of this, the emperor had emperor worship, and then a whole array and pantheon buffet of gods that said, brought prosperity and perpetuity to the Roman Empire, there'll be alternative religious views, there'll be alternative worldviews, there'll be alternative political, economic and social influences, they will sound very, very right. You need all the discernment in the world to tell Jesus who is the way, the truth and the life from the half-truths. And that's sexually immoral. What you do with your body doesn't matter. What you do with your mind doesn't matter. It's all private. You're hurting nobody. It's all private. It's your body. We learn from 1 Corinthians 6. You're not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. That's the whole truth. It matters. So be warned. You have to choose. You have to choose between Babylon and Jerusalem. The chapters before this is Come out, come out of Babylon, made by man, fake, fake peace, fake prosperity, fake perpetuity. You have to choose between heaven and hell. You have to choose between Satan and Jesus. I want to ask you from moment to moment, who are you choosing? What are you choosing? And notice, friends, Jesus' warning to the church is this. It's about the willful, ongoing sin. You want to carry on loving these lies and these half-truths will result in us being out of God's kingdom. And you need to sit here or there or anywhere that you're tuning in and ask yourself a very sobering question that nobody else may know. What are some of your willful, conscious, stubborn, prideful, ongoing sins. And they may fall into two main categories. Either they be relational sins of malice, of envy, of slander, of anger, of rage that the Bible speaks about in the list of sins, or they could be sexual sins if they are not social sins. So you're struggling with malice against your brother, envy against someone in church, you're bad-mouthing people. And you think this can go on forever in your life, even as you appear okay. You're not okay, friends. So which of these are your willful ongoing sins? And the Spirit and the Bride says, Come. And let the one who hears says, Come. I want to ask you, right, as I just highlight some of these verses, which you read earlier, okay, what's the biggest word from verse 7 to verse 21. Come, come, come. Jesus says, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon. And his true bride, the people who belong to Babylon, you know what they are called in chapters 18 and 19? They are called prostitutes. The people who belong to Christ, you know what we are called? Bride. The prostitute is the fake bride. Is the alternative to your true wife. You don't have an affair, you commit adultery. And so, for the true bride of Jesus Christ, when he says, Surely I'm coming soon, we say, Come, Lord Jesus. The word is Maranatha. So, three times Jesus says, I am coming soon, I am coming soon, I am coming soon. How's your hearing? You're taking that to heart seriously? That this world as you know it, Singapore as you know it, is not going to be forever? No matter how beautiful we make the Shanghais of this world, the San Francisco's of this world, the Singapore's of this world, it's not going to be forever. It is God and his kingdom that is forever. So a few responses to, I'm coming. So I met a good friend, I became a good friend in in Australia. He was a Catholic. Of a, of, of a ship commercial ship as captain of a ship you sail out and you sail out for months so he was thinking about this the toll he was taking on his marriage and his family but he only knew one thing from young he started with this job and he can't find an alternative job so but one day as he came back from one of his long trips away right his young child ran up to the door as he rang the doorbell he comes back from this long trip his young child is 2-3 years old looks at him, right? screams, and then runs back to the mother. And the mother says, who's, who's at the door? I said, don't know, a stranger. <laughs> Father coming back to his own home, that's when he realised he must quit his job, no matter how paying he was, he, he was paid as a captain of the ship. He was always coming back, but because his absence was so long, they no longer recognised him. And so there are three responses to Jesus saying, I am coming soon. Some of us who don't hear, they say, you're coming, uh? I didn't know that. I didn't know that you were coming. Like my friend who's the captain, you're coming, you turn up. Or life could be so good here and you say, you're coming soon, but not yet. Or you might say, you're coming soon. Jesus don't come. Because life here is pretty good. You have no option, you have no authority to be startled by his coming. You have no option to negotiate his coming back, and you have no option to reject his coming. He is coming. Amen. If you are a child of God, 2022, a new prayer, a new lifestyle prayer is Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I pray for your second and glorious coming to wind up human history and to bring all these tears, to bring it to an end. And so, what must we be doing in the meantime? Our living. This is what we're doing. So at Christmas Day, the Mandarin Ministry, it's a special service Pastor Yuck preached. And then because he's not ordained, he was, I went to do the, the baptism of the people there. And there were many beautiful baptisms. Beautiful baptisms, but arguably the most beautiful is when I baptised both the grandpa on the right and the grandson. They had requested this. Right? And this is Daryl, the grandson. Okay? And why is this beautiful? There's nothing more beautiful than this. Nothing more beautiful than life cannot get sweeter here's the grandson giving a testimony in mandarin then believing in jesus together as a family and here they are embracing and to their left are their parents embracing and i read to you the message that was sent by the father to me god is good never in my wildest dream would i have thought that my dad the grandpa here would come to faith daryl the grandson prays for his granddad's conversion every night. Every night. The grandson prays for his grandfather every night. What do you call that? Not just hearing the word, but keeping the word. Jesus, you are faithful. You are the firstborn from among the dead. You love us, you have freed us, and you are coming back again. I want my grandpa, and God work in my father's life to lead him to know and trust him. My father said when he was baptised, he felt such a burden lift off him. That's what we must do again and again. Pray for the things that matter. And so as 2022 begins, is it anything new? The theme last year was back to basics, back to Jesus. If any church you go to, the theme for the year doesn't have Jesus, please leave that church. Because he's coming again, who is coming again? Not Elijah, not Moses, not David. It's the perfection of all those, and it's Jesus. I'm coming again, and so our discipleship journey is from January to April, the whole Gospel of Mark, the Jesus I thought I knew, but I never knew. From April to May, Nehemiah, come follow Jesus in his mission. It's building in the Old Testament and fulfilment in the New Testament. And then either end of May or June, we'll announce it sooner, as soon as we can. It's going to be a special feast, a worship feast, as we worship God in song and in word together as one family. May we be able to have a church camp here in Singapore in some shape and form, on-site, hybrid, July to August, 1st to 3rd John. Come follow Jesus in His love. August to September, come follow Jesus in prayer. We always need see you some prayer. And last but not least, the Psalms. Come follow Jesus in fearing God, trusting God. The fear of God is the beginning of, of, of wisdom. And all that we work for, all that we pray for, all that we wish for in, is you and me to know Jesus. So do you have a vision of our going as the year begins? You are going to heaven if you believe in Jesus. Do you have a vision of Jesus coming? Will you pray like Daryl every night for the salvation and the maturity of your faith? Will you have a vision of our living? That is going to be filled with confusion, It's going to be filled with conflict, and we are going to be held steady by God to persevere. This is the vision you must have. On January 5th, when you send your children off to P1, how can you calm their anxious hearts? When you say goodbye to your son going to NS, how do you overcome the anxiety? With what? You overcome the child going to P1 or SEC1 or to NS, or you say goodbye to a son or daughter going overseas to study for three years, and you may not see them for three years if this pandemic doesn't go away you say to them in all that anxiety and all that sadness, you can bring in the serenity of Jesus into that moment. I do not know who will be stricken with what illness this year. At the New Year's Eve service, I read to you the close to 68 people who passed away, our loved ones, our church members and our regulars. And this is the first Christmas and this first Christmas and first New Year, you're experiencing life without your father, without your mother, without your brother, without your sister, without your child. I do not know who you might have to sit beside their bed and as they die and breathe their last, that you have to hold their hands and say to them, you are going, Jesus is coming, that you will give to them the vision of life. This is the glorious gospel. This is the vision you must have and I must have. Let's stand and pray together. Before we pray together in ending, please humble yourself and take some precious moments. Not simply to hear the words of this prophecy, the unveiling of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done what he's doing and what he will do. But the keeping of it, the believing of it, and the living of it, and the betting and the banking of your life on Jesus. Spend some quiet moments before God. Almighty God, We come to you firstly always confessing that when we try to be wise in our own eyes we become fools and we live in a world in which we offer our subjective views, our subjective views of the future, our subjective views of our crisis, our subjective views of the solutions and all of them in the end are unreliable. It is your vision of us is your vision of the end that must dictate our present and thank you Lord Jesus for this unveiling of yourself who you are and what you have done for us that you love us you have freed us and you have made us the people of God you are the faithful witness the firstborn from among the dead and we can trust in you Pray that you will give us a vision of our going to you, a place of eternal blessing where there will be the river of life and the tree of life flowing from the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb. Help us to hold fast to that, no matter what happens. Grant us a vision of your coming, that you are coming, no matter how long the wait, no matter how long the delay. We can bet our life on you and give us a vision of our perseverance, that you will allow evil and good to exist until the return. And may we rightly choose to remain holy to remain righteous, no matter what the pressure. And to receive from you the great recompense and reward of being faithful and obedient by your grace for your glory grant us this vision of the end that our days and our moments day by day moment by moment may be glorious unto your name in jesus name we pray amen